0: Hey guys, it's Sydney and I'm back here with, still Sarah, (laughs) and today we're going to discuss the Philadelphia Poison Ring. Okay, so we're just going to jump right into it. So the Philadelphia Poison Ring was this huge heist by two Italian immigrant cousins in the 1930s. So the two cousins were Herman and Paul Petrio. So Herman was an expert counterfeiter, and he was also an arsonist. And then Paul was an insurance, he like ran an insurance scam business. And so it began in 1931. So Herman arranged uh, single men with widows, or what they would call witches, because the witches would actually give the men love potions, which were actually a form of arsenic, which would kill them. So, what happened was, Herman would arrange these two together, and then Paul, because he ran insurance scam business, he would be able to collect double indemnity on accident insurance and be listed as a beneficiary, because the wives or the witches were in on the scheme, so these accidental deaths would allow Herman, Paul, and anyone working with them to gain money.
1: So, a little background on the victims themselves. Um, Not a lot of them are named, but they are mostly Italian immigrants because a bunch of them came at the time, and I guess they were easier targets than all the rich upperclassmen people and the widows would give them love potions to ingest so we don't really know much about the background and their family history and their childhood of the of the suspects because I mean I'm assuming it's because they were Italian immigrants at that time so they didn't really have that many records because they probably they obviously weren't really the richest people ever and um, the agitation level I'm also assuming is not very high at all.
0: So before we get into the description of the case and the evidence and how it was solved in the trial, we're gonna first dive into arsenic and how it was used on the suspects and just the chemical makeup and how it affects the body. So Sarah's gonna start talking about that.
1: So. Arsenic itself is an element, so there's no really, um, compound breakup of it, but there is something called arsenic oxide, which is AS203, and the median lethal dose is 15.1 milligrams per kilograms, and the effects of it is headaches, discoloration of nails, vomiting and metallic case, and then, um convulsions, uh, stomach pain and eventually death
0: so exactly what Sarah was saying the issue with arsenic is that it's an element and it does not break down so what happens is because it's, first of all it's a metabolic poison and the type of metabolic is it inactivates the enzymes, what happens is because it's metabolic it affects all your metabolic activities. that's why you're getting sick and everything but the issue is it's bioaccumulates in your body so even if they weren't poisoned the first time the more times they get poisoned it's going to bioaccumulate and it's never going to actually get out of your system the body cannot actually break down the poison on its own because it bioaccumulates but there are a couple ways to try and treat it but that is more for chronic toxicity toxicity so one way to treat it would be anti which the way you do it is The first day it would be five milligrams per kilogram, which would be up to 300 milligrams the first day for every four hours. And then you move to six hours the next day and then eight hours the second day. The issue with this case is that it was acute toxicity. So these people got such a large dose that there was no stopping the effects of arsenic. So there's two forms of arsenic. There's organic and inorganic. Obviously the organic is found in nature and that's where we would get the element form. But when you begin mixing that organic compound, it ends up uh, becoming inorganic when you mix it and it has a different chemical formula. But this arsenic that was used, it used to be used for medicine, a common medicine it was used for was actually chemotherapy. But a lot of medical fields have been trying to stay away from it because it is such a low dose that um, like the toxic toxicity levels is so the LD50 is very low so they're trying to stray away from that and the reason that arsenic is so lethal is because what happens is arsenic targets the receptor fusion protein which is again an enzyme and so we can't use the enzyme anymore which when you can't use it your body can't function and then you end up dying and so what happens is the arsenic blocks many cellular and physiological pathways, It get very difficult for any process to continue in the body. So it first affects the receptor fusion protein, and because of the buildup, it then affects the cellular and physiological pathways. So when this case first came out, many people thought that it was only around like 20 people, you know, around a small amount of people who were killed by this huge murdering. But as this clip is about to explain, it is far more people than what they expected.
2: Prosecutors eventually attributed 20 deaths to the Petrillo's gang, but some investigators believe the total number of victims exceeded 100.
1: So interesting enough, the actual number that people believe they killed was more than 80 people than they thought, which is four times more than what the attorney thought.
0: So now Sarah and I are going to talk about how these two cousins got caught with their whole ring of poison. So, it first started off with this one man, Ferdinando Alfonsi. They wanted to murder him because, again, he was an Italian immigrant, he was poor, had the life insurance policy it would have been a really easy kill the issue was they like gave him so much arsenic and they thought it would kill him and it didn't and they kept doing it and doing it and doing it and it did not work so that's when the snitch comes in sarah would you like to describe the snitch
1: i would love to describe the snitch so this guy george meyer comes up and his cleaning company was in a bit of a financial sticky situation, if you will. So he went to Herman Petrillo and they said that if you were, he wanted $500, but they said, Hey, if you get, if you kill Fernando Alfonsi, we'll give you $500 and $2,500 worth of counterfeit money. So George Meyer was like, I don't really want to kill anyone. But he still wanted the money. So like Herman was like, Yeah, no, you're not getting the money unless you kill him. So he was like, Okay, fine, well I'm not gonna kill him. So he decided to sell the information to the Secret Service and the Secret Service told Meyer that he would get paid only if he helped catch them. So he did. So they met so they met with an agent named Phillips and Meyer's Met with Herman, and um, Herman was suggesting various ways that they could kill Alfonsi. And I mean, yeah, pretty much. And then eventually they realized that um, Mayor looked for him and they couldn't find Herman for like a week. So they checked up on Alfonsi to see if he was like okay but he was so sick he couldn't leave the bed and then it was later found out that um Herman killed it all found him himself you know he died he went to the national stomach hospital in philadelphia pennsylvania but then he died because of having metal poisoning and the autopsy revealed really high arsenic levels so they decided that they started creating like an mo and they all decided to realize that like hey all the people on this life insurance policy all the men died from some sort of violent accident that's weird and then all of them also have high levels of arsenic in their bloodstreams and they were all italian immigrants or whatever so they were like wow like that's it that's he killed them because that's suspicious that's fishy and in addition to that, um, some of the immigrants couldn't even read English. So I don't even think that they knew that this was a clause in their life insurance plan. So yeah, that's how they were caught.
0: So as Sarah was saying, there was a huge plan to catch the two. And because there was undercover cops, like, other than the fact that they ran insurance scams and had counterfeiting, there wasn't really any other evidence that was pointing to them other than the mo and the victimology of the victims but there wasn't like an actual like, tangible piece of evidence other than the under- undercover detectives that were actually at the scene heard them, talk about it, realized that it was them and were able to arrest them so when we get to the trial it's really a closed like, case and trial because they knew they did it, they were able to sentence them, everyone involved so Herman and Paul got the death sentence by electric chair and they were executed in 1941, so they weren't able to, you know, appeal, proclaim innocence, they weren't even really proclaiming their innocence, they were just more like, yeah, we got caught, and it is what it is. There was also 24 other people, who were like the other gang members, who were convicted of the crimes, but they were not executed, and they spent their time in jail. One interesting note that we did find was that Stella Afonzi, The wife of Fernando Alfonsi, which again, she would be considered a witch, was not convicted of any crime for it, even though she was involved in it. Sarah and I just found that really interesting, how her out of all the people were not convicted.
1: So here's a little bit more information on the snitch.
3: A gentleman named George Meyer was down in his luck, and he was just released from prison in 1938, and he was trying to start an upholstery cleaning business. I don't know whose upholstery he would be cleaning with so many people losing their homes and their belongings, but that was his dream. And George knew about the Petrillos, especially about Herman Petrillo and his counterfeiting business, so he caught up with Herman and asked to borrow some money.
0: So this video is just giving some more information Uh, and George Myers, who was the snitch who ultimately helped solve the case.
1: So here is a little background information on the victim that eventually caused the twins to get caught.
3: A man named Ferdinand Alfonsi. Now Ferdinand wasn't anyone special. He was poor, he was a day laborer. He was someone who got up every day and wandered the city looking for work, sometimes getting picked up for a job here and there just for a day. But like so many other poor Italian men in South Philadelphia, Ferdinand was on the hit list because of a pissed off wife.
1: So as you can see, the guy, the victim, wasn't really that much of like a big deal in everyday life. He was kind of on the poorer side too, but it was his wife who eventually led him to his death. Now we're going to play a clip that describes the type of women that came in there looking for help.
2: The cousins recruited impressionable, superstitious women who were unhappy in their marriages. After gaining their trust, Paul Petrillo sold the women a love potion for their husbands. In fact, the potion contained arsenic, which the Patrillos knew causes an apparently natural death.
0: So while many of these women were naive, there were also many who were in on it too, just for the money scheme. Because again, they're at a poor family, they really have nothing because they just emigrated to the United States. So there were some women who were actually with the scheme, but there were also naive women because they did believe in the potions and that it would fix their marriages.
1: So another interesting thing that this clip is going to explain is that the cousins weren't just working with themselves, although they were the people killing them, they weren't the only ones getting paid off for it. Other people were also getting paid like doctors and other things that you're going to hear about in just a few moments.
2: As the body count rose, Paul and Herman enlisted a growing network of accomplices. Doctors, insurance agents, undertakers all received cuts from the insurance payouts in exchange for their help and silence.
0: So again, like Sarah was saying, it was just interesting that they had actual doctors working with them, this huge scheme to basically kill people for money.
1: So this next clip is going to explain how the police did not believe George at first because he was a criminal
3: george was so freaked out by his experience with herman petrillo that he went to the philadelphia police with a story about attempted murder but the cops didn't believe him george must have been a pretty tenacious dude because he didn't let that stop him from turning in herman petrillo george meyer went to see the head of the philadelphia branch of the secret service a man named william Landvoy.
1: so as you can see the police kind of not believing George did not stop him because he just went to their higher ups and went to the secret service to see what they thought and they believed him and that's all that matters
0: okay guys so that ends our podcast thank you for listening and we'll be back next time